here and welcome back to Bridgerton Bitches. This is the first episode of our book club. Uh, we're going to be talking about Bridgerton book two and we're starting off with chapter one. Uh, just a heads up, if anyone is interested in joining us for a Bridgerton quiz on Facebook, um, head to our Facebook page. Tickets are only £3. It's a way for us to raise money for our hosting feeds. It's going to be really fun. Me and Nats will dress up um, and we'll have a really fun hour of a Bridgerton quiz and there'll be a prize for the winner. So head to our Facebook page to check that out. How are you, Nats? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very good. It's very hot here in the UK. I'm absolutely boiling. I know, I know. It's like a massive little heat wave, isn't it, at the moment? A massive little heat wave. That didn't even make sense. That does not bode well for the rest of this episode. Just saying. I'm, I'm going to blame the fever. I'm going to blame the fever. Um, but let's get started. So we are starting with the Viscount who loved me. Uh, and they think got... it's Viscount. Oh, my God. I've been saying it wrong. How embarrassing. I don't know. Someone mentioned that we were saying it wrong when we did our teaser book club. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Viscount. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> that makes so much more sense. Why was I saying Viscount? That's like one of those biscuits you get in the I UK, was, isn't it? It was making me think of the mint biscuits. Um, but are they even, even them? I don't think so. No, no that's embarrassing. Okay, well, let's kick off then with the prologue. I'm going to be second guessing all the words I say now. It's prologue, right? Yes, well done. Okay, so just going to give an overview of what the prologue basically did in a nutshell. And then we'll talk about it. Does that sound okay? Yeah. So basically, we just get the down low in the prologue of how hot Anthony's dad was. Like, I am sorry, but he is oh, super sorry, hot. Oh, sorry, Nat. Can I just interject? There was mm. almost a pre-prologue and then a prologue. Did you Ooh. notice that? The uh, pre-prologue was written by Lady Whistledown, and it was talking about the new season of 1814. Okay. And I thought that was the prologue. So should we start with that? Yes. Yeah. Right, so you're right. The prologue is an extract from Lady Whistledown's societal papers, society papers, uh, and she's basically saying, she's introducing us to the season of 1814, and she's saying that the Viscount is the year's most eligible catch, and basically the only person not interested in him is Miss Catherine Sheffield. Is that your Yeah, and away? I was kind of surprised by this summary because I felt like they were basically giving the plot away for the book so it says something like uh, Kate Sheffield is not interested um, her demeanor borders on hostile and then they pop uh, something like this would make a good match it would be interesting and I was like so you've basically given away the whole concept of the book already and I wasn't expecting that yeah yeah you could have done without that is that what you're thinking it would have been nice actually not to have that spoiler alert yeah, it felt like it then the whole novel is then very predictable. But um, I guess Bridgerton doesn't really mind about that. So you're saying that because we've talked before about how the TV series felt predictable, but actually maybe the books were set up in that way. So really the series seems just like sort of... it. Yeah. yeah. And, and can I say something else I liked about this, what I'm calling the pre-prologue? Um, they have a really cute way of describing Anthony. So um, and it's quite funny. It says, um, the poor man's hair is ruffled and windswept because he cannot go anywhere without some young miss batting her eyelashes at him. And I thought that was really quite funny. That and also so Anthony's hair does often look really like windswept and ruffled. Okay, so they took that from the book and they made that the, to be the case in the series because he's got lush hair. It does look ruffled, like very just got out of bed, I don't care about my hair kind of feel. Mm -hmm. 
And also, you're right, it says, um, without some young miss batting her eyelashes with such vigour and speed as to create a breeze of hurricane force. So she's quite funny, Lady Whistledown, right from the, outs- the outset. Mm. Okay, I'll be honest, I did skip that. I didn't find it very interesting, but now I regret that because the pre-prologue, it was quite funny. Well, I think when you're doing a book club, you have to read the book. So that's just, I'm glad we're discussing this now. (laughs) So for future episodes, please make sure you read the whole book. No skimming allowed. Um, Or I just won't tell you. I think I just need to stop being so honest. That's what I'll do. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So we're moving on to the actual prologue now. Um, And I thought the first sentence of this prologue was like, wow, I was not expecting that. He says, it says, Anthony Bridgerton had always known he would die young. And I was like, whoa, that's morbid. Yeah, you know how they say if you write a book, your first sentence on the first page should be something that's kind of like really draws your reader in or surprises them. And that's what it reminds me of. Her editor was like, you need to throw something in there that's like really catchy yeah you're right when and I was it like oh my god yeah it worked and then it also got me thinking more about Anthony's persona and how actually like as him as a person it made me understand his life decisions a bit more like actually that's kind of why he was a bit of a rake and a fun time lad then because if he's almost thinking he's gonna die in his late 30s it makes him yeah. it gives him more depth which I liked they say that in chapter one a little bit later you can really see that coming through. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then in the prologue, it talks about Anthony and how he's part of, you know, um, a family, wealthy family. And it starts to talk a little bit about the Bridgertons and how they were really young parents. I have issue with this, though. Do you? In what way? Because they say that the Bridgertons were young parents. Edmund was barely 20 and Violet just 18. But my understanding is that that wasn't considered young at the time I mean weren't they of getting weren't they getting married off at 16 yeah you're right I don't think yeah I think you're right actually I felt like this the the whole writing style though was quite modern Mm. and I felt like it it didn't feel like it was written in like a regency thing and that's just another example of that it's like a modern reader would see that as young so she's kept that Oh, okay. I, I find the whole book written in quite a modern perspective. I say whole book, I've read like literally 20 pages of chapter one. I do quite like that because whilst I love the idea of being able to read Jane Austen, I'll be honest, I ain't smart enough and I do feel like the language stops me from enjoying the story. Um, whereas this felt really accessible and it felt just easier to read. So for me, I kind of liked the modern, the modern approach. But what did you mm-hmm. think? I didn't mind it. It was easy to read. I don't think um, it was like very, very, very well written, but I feel like it does the job. Like it's little bit it's easy reading. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my word. Oh, um, my word. They talk about how um, basically Edmund and Violet are really in love mm. and they talk about how he's basically the most perfect dad. And it's quite mm. sweet. He makes a special saddle for Anthony so that Anthony can ride behind him and he can hold baby Benedict in his arms so basically they're setting this up that he's the most perfect loving father yeah I had such a boner just reading this about the dad I was like oh my god no wonder his wife was like so just upset when he died I know you'd be upset anyway if your partner died but I'm sorry but I really fancy Edmund (laughs) do you 
he sounds perfect oh my gosh and do you know what I also like what were you gonna say sorry oh no just um you like the daddy thing do you because <laughs> from all I've read so far he's just a really good dad is that what you look for there was as well a hotness there was a paragraph about how he was super hot no that's a bit later I think Are um you but sure? about, yeah that's in chapter one but I liked how active he was like hiking across the fields of Kent speaking about philosophy and poetry just really attentive and loving and the fact that he made you know like leather work device like he devised a special pack I was like you're you know you're good with your hands yeah um there's um there's a bit where 18 year old Anthony said that the next bit after saddle thing um he comments about how inappropriate he thinks it is that his mum is continuing to have more children mm. um, even at, at that age and that age is only 36 so she's pregnant with her last child at 36 yeah and he thinks it's weird and again I'm like I don't know would you think it was that weird no but I suppose 36 an hour time might be, be the equivalent of say a 66 year old having a child now we might be like oh it's a bit old duh older mm. <laughs> I had to be careful there <laughs> um but yeah and and also what I liked about this prologue is we understand the significance of that Bridgerton pocket watch because we find out in the mm. prologue that Edmund um gave Anthony this special watch when he was eight years old and he loves it so much. And I was like, okay. And I really like how in the series, they in season one, they make a big point of that, don't they? He's always looking at that watch. Yeah, that was sweet. And he feels like he's, he feels that as the first one son, yeah. he's had more time with his dad than any of the others. And they've got a special bond. Yeah. And now I'm thinking, was another reason why Anthony is looking at that watch all the time. It's like a reminder of his own mortality because he's thinking, I'm going to die at the same time as my dad. Yeah, he needs therapy. Yeah. Um, what did you feel about the dad's death? Because that's what in this it happens in this prologue, doesn't it? So it's different, isn't it? Because in Very the book, different. it says that Anthony was 18, which is probably around the same age that they depict it in the TV series, right? Mm-hmm. Um but I thought it was really anticlimactic. Um, Let's explain how it happens for anyone that's watched the show but not read the books. Mm-hmm. So Anthony comes home from school, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And he's left Colin in the stables because he's lost a bet. And Colin has to wipe down the horses. And Anthony walks through the entrance of the house and he sees Daphne crying her eyes out, sprawled across the floor. And he's really uncomfortable by this. He doesn't know. He's not used to women crying. He doesn't know what's happening. And he asks her what's wrong. And she says, Papa is dead. And he's like, what are you talking about? And she says, he's been stung by a bee. He's like, don't be ridiculous. A man cannot die from being stung by a bee. Mm. And he he keeps saying, it's it's not true. It's not true. And she says, yes, it is true. Eloise saw him stung. And he says, well, he's been stung before this. And he, he just keeps denying he can't believe it. Yeah. Um, and then Daphne says, yeah, he was stung and then he was gone. He's dead. Um, and yeah, it was it was sad. But I, I do think the way the show did it was much better. Anthony yeah. witnessing it himself. What, what do you think? Yeah, I thought that the way that they portrayed it in the TV show, I was just like, oh, M, F, G. 
goosebumps. I went hot and cold. I was like proper emotion. Um, and it was Benedict who was left in the horse stalls, by the way, not Colin, oh, but everything sorry. else she said was perfect. Um, and Freud always said that you can't become a man unless your father dies. And Jung said that that can happen in a symbolic way. So when you realize that your dad's not perfect, for example, the idea of your dad, that the perfect man above you kind of dies. Um, and so that's what I liked about in the TV show. He sees his dad die. So physically and also on all those other levels. So it felt really like, wow, like he's literally been propelled as the top of the, the family. And in the book, it was watered down because he sort of finds out through Daphne yeah it's like third hand yeah so you lose that dramatic impact Um, yeah definitely so I do wonder why she chose to do that in the book maybe maybe because in the books it's Eloise that has some issue or trauma but they've transferred that to Anthony in the TV show. I suppose to really reinforce that sense that like it was traumatic his dad's death on lots of different levels uh, and right from the moment where his dad was dying, he had to pick up that responsibility and look after his mum. And yeah, for so a he's ten still... year for a ten year old to be the one to share the news that their dad has died. That's for Daphne's character as well in the book. That's traumatic for her as well, isn't it? Yeah, and I don't know why they said why Anthony says why it's important to the storyline for Anthony to say oh but he's been stung by a bee before I don't know whether that's like a red herring or that's a clue to something I thought that was weird do you think it's because the likelihood of an outdoorsy man never having been bitten um stung before might have seemed to the author really far-fetched um and do you think it seemed a little unbelievable perhaps for someone to be stung by a bee so she was trying to make out that I don't know. Do you know what I'm trying to say there? Yeah, but um, as far as I'm aware, if if you're allergic, you're allergic. I mean, maybe we can look this up. Maybe maybe wow. once you're stung once, you get a hyper allergy to it. I don't know. Maybe or maybe the first time he was stung, it was like his foot or his ankle, so the effect of the venom wasn't so strong. But maybe this time he was stung like on his neck or his chest. I think with bee stings, it doesn't matter where you're stung; you're still going to. <laughs> Like it's called anaphylactic shock, isn't it? It's not like rabies where you get bit on the head versus when you get bit on the foot. And maybe um, I was thinking that if it's closer to your heart or closer to like a vein or something, then the venom doesn't have time to like get diluted. I need to know more about bee stings. Mm. Um, but then what they also say, I guess what we also find out through this dialogue though, is about how their uncle also died. Um yeah, and again, I don't know how why that was relevant. So they talk about the dad's brother having died only a year before, around a similar age. Yeah. And they were like, oh, well, he died outdoors, but we didn't check him for a bee sting. And I was like, again, I don't really get why that's relevant. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking back and it says about how um, we were both... Ah, he's, Anthony says, I was with him. We were both stung. We came across a nest. I was stung on the shoulder. His hand rose to touch the spot where he'd been stung so many years before. And in a whisper, he said, and he was stung on his arm. Yeah. So I don't know why it is important that we know that they've both been stung before. Maybe we'll find out that actually it wasn't a bee and he was actually assassinated. Oh, damn. Love it. Love that. I feel like that's where it's going. Yeah. 
And then we find Anthony moves away from Daphne and is confronted by his dad's dead body and Violet, his mum, crying over the body. Mm, deep. That's really oh. deep. And that's the end of the prologue. And we go to chapter one. Yeah, basically, that is the end, isn't it? And he said... So Edmund Bridgerton died at the age of 38 and Anthony simply couldn't imagine ever surpassing his father in any way, even in years, which I thought was a really nice way to bring that prologue to an end after the first mm-hmm. sentence. So so basically he's like, yeah, I've got to live till I'm 38 and that's it, I'm done. So I don't normally read prologues, but did you like that prologue? I always, always skip a prologue. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's funny that you do that too. Um I just, yeah, I never bother. Mm. I don't know really the point of them. I guess they're scene setting and they're giving you background, but I don't know. I'm too impatient and I just want to get started Same. with the story. Um, but I, I actually, looking at my notes, I said that I thought it was powerful the way that they described the death of Edmund, but in a different way. But it sounds like for you, it was not powerful. I mean, it was nice. It, it felt raw. It felt realistic. I suppose Bridgerton don't go for realistic. Everything they do is kind of exaggerated. So that scene where his dad dies was very, very over the top and dramatic. Mm. Whereas in the book, maybe it just felt more realistic. Yeah. Yeah. What I thought was interesting is that comment about Daphne never cries. Because in season one, you and me thought that Daphne was like a robot. Like emotionally not in touch with her emotions. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. And it's like they very they're very good because they've there was obviously stuff that insinuated that she's emotionally perhaps you know she doesn't cry a lot, mm. uh, and that comes across in her in her characterization in the show. Yeah. So chapter one mm. begins by describing it's, it's written by Lily Whistledown and she's talking about Anthony and she's saying there's a difference between a rake with a capital R mm. and a rake. Without a capital R, so a rape with a capital R is dangerous to women, um, and that's what they refer to Anthony as. Um, and the next moment we get introduced, this surprised me. I'm confused. So, so you're saying that there's two types of rakes: the rake with a lowercase with a little r is youthful, youthful and immature. Mm-hmm. And he his exploits, which is what I thought Anthony was. But in the chapter, it says that a rake with an uppercase R knows he's dangerous to women. I do not get that impersonation impression from Anthony that he thinks he's dangerous to women. I think it's just it's being a bit playful. I don't think it's literally like it's just being playful. And it's not literally. Um, I'm taking it literally. Yeah. Okay, um, I get it. So what was interesting is then we're introduced to Kate and Edwina because Edwina is reading this article by Lady Whistledown mm-hmm. and um, they start describing them. And what I find quite funny, so I just assumed that in the book, these sisters were from India. Mm-hmm. They're not at all. They're from Somerset, which is <laughs> exactly. a county in the southwest of England. And not only that, but Edwina is described as being blonde and blue-eyed. <laughs> so I thought that was quite funny. I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. And I thought you can't really get much different from India to Somerset, where they mm-hmm. drink cider. So True. That is very different. And also in the book, it says uh, her half-sister Edwina, younger by almost four years, 
it, that's different as well, isn't it? Because in the series, I get the impression that there's more than four years difference between them. What What were your thoughts there? Um, yeah, so I was surprised because in the TV show, I think Kate's supposed to be 26. Mm. Whereas in the book, she's described as being 21 and a spinster. And I, I don't think that's realistic. Like I was watching Pride and Prejudice the other day and um, Elizabeth Bennett and Jane Bennett are 21 and they're not called spinsters for not being married. Hang on, how old is Jane Bennett? Because she's a year older, so is she 21 and Elizabeth's 20? Something like that. Oh. So for them to, for her to say in the book, oh, 21, she's a spinster, I thought that was strange. Yeah. And then that's why they must have increased her age in the TV show to 26. Right, okay, and then made Edwina like 17. I don't know, I don't know. Oh, right. Is that how old Edwina is? She's just coming out and they came out when they were 16, didn't they? 16, yeah, but in 17. the TV show, did they increase Edwina's age? They must have done. I just assumed that because Edwina was coming out and that happens when they're 16, 17, then oh. it was insinuated that that was the sort of age difference. Mm. See, then I don't love that Anthony was trying to get with a 17-year-old when he's like 30-something. Yeah. But <laughs> I guess that was the way of it. Yeah, and I've just made a note. I actually, I made the same note that she's nearly a spinster. At 20. This is what I was going to say. So it, there's a contradiction here because in this in this part of the chapter, it says Kate's considered nearly a spinster at 21, but that contradicts the idea that Mama Bridgerton was considered very young to have children when she was 18. Uh, oh my God, like, nice one. Oh my God, nice that felt one. so good. I've been watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so my detective head is on fire. I was going to say, like, look so at you, like, Miss Marple. So I was like, so 18 is considered very, very young, but by the time you're 21, you're a spinster. Yeah, three, I mean, so, so basically you've got three years to get married and have all your children before you become a spinster. You're right, that's BS. Yeah. They also um, talk about their money situation, which, again, I don't think was made as clear in the TV show. So yeah. they're saying, look, they're not, we're not really, really, really poor. But we've had to save for five years to come to London. And if we don't get married this season, we'll have to live in a little cottage in Somerset, a bit like in Sense and Sensibility, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that was much more obvious to me, whereas in the show, it was like, I just thought that they were fine for money, but that they were this whole inheritance thing was the complication. Although now I'm thinking, actually, they had to get sponsored by Lady Danbury. And that probably mm. wouldn't have happened, right, if they'd had lots of money. So maybe it was like more subtly implied in the TV series. Yeah, I think you'd still um, be sponsored because Lady Danbury has all the connections. So you could still be wealthy, but you could come to a new town and you'd need someone to introduce you to like the ton, mm. I think. Fair um, but what I thought was also a bit of a contradiction with the TV show is um, it wasn't just Edwina that was being planned to marry that season. It's made really clear in the book that actually Kate is also supposed to find a husband. Yeah. Whereas in the TV show, they made it really clear from the moment we meet Kate, she ain't interested in finding mm. a man. She ain't interested in getting married. She's heading back to India as soon as her sister's married. So that was another really big change. Yeah, and that's what I like about the TV show is rather than, like you've pointed out in the pre-prologue, they're like, you're like, it's spoiler alert because Lady Whistledown's saying that Kate should get with the, Vis the Viscount. Um, but in the way that they are, yeah. 
And do you know what, Nat? I realise. I can tell. So I'm just. I'm so sorry. Another reason why, right, I was listening to our earlier podcast and at the start we were like, oh, Kate definitely has a backstory. She's definitely had like been burnt in love and that's why she's not into marriage. And we were waiting for that storyline to come up. We were like, blatantly, she has a reason. Yeah. And it didn't in the TV show. And the reason that is, is because they made that up in the TV show, in the book she was happy to get married so that I feel like sometimes Bridgerton's obviously changed something in the tv show that isn't in the book but they haven't bothered to tie up that loose end so they oh, haven't given yeah. us a reason in the tv show as to why Kate doesn't want to get married that's true and this happened in season one as well whereas what didn't make sense is so in the tv show Daphne is the diamond and she's beautiful but she can't find a partner she can't find a fiance and she needs the duke's help that did not make sense whereas in the book she wasn't that attractive and she wasn't um men didn't find her particularly alluring and that's why she needed the duke to help her find a husband she needed the duke to help her find a husband because lady whistledown was talking shit about her because at the start of the tv show daphne was the diamond the diamond of the first water and she had loads of guys who were interested and then lady whistledown made a comment do you remember no but what I'm saying is in the book like so in the tv show they made out Daphne was absolutely beautiful diamond of the first water in the book she's not yeah I know what you mean um in in book one so again because they changed that I felt that it then had an impact where it didn't actually make parts of the story very like it didn't make sense and I feel like they've done that here with Kate a little bit a little bit, although I'm sure that in the TV series, Kate does explain that she doesn't want to be married because she doesn't want to lose her independence and her independence is more important to her. Mm. But again, though, she had that weird conversation with Lady Danbury and she was like, do you remember? She was like, you don't want to be like me. And mm. yeah, I just was, feel like maybe It was confused. Why. It was confused because we understand Anthony's reluctance to marry someone that he's in love with but we don't get to explore Kate's perspective as much. So that's mm. true. And that's the other difference as well. Because um, I remember as well, we actually said, hang on, she's 26. She must have had a romantic background. Yeah. But obviously in the book, she's not 26, she's 21. So again, by increasing her oh. age in the TV show, it, it has like these little, you know, butterfly yeah. effect, doesn't it? That knock-on effect, you're right. Mm. Um and actually in the book, Kate says that she would have been quite happy to stay in the countryside and just like marry like a local a local guy. Doesn't she say yeah, that, that as well? Yeah, that surprised me. That was really sweet. She was like, I, you know, I'd be happy to marry someone in the country, a country mm-hmm. gentleman. And that's not the Kate that we see in the TV show at all. She has no. zero interest in men. No. Um, and so, so Kate and Edwina are talking about this article that Lady Whistledown has written and it, it gets us to see their perspective on on this guy um yeah and Kate says something quite funny she says he's had more mistresses than I've had birthdays that was funny I like that but then she says something else that I think I didn't really get so Kate and Edwina talking about the rake and how Lady Whistledown is always writing about him and then Kate says he could probably seduce an ice bag and then she gets a slight telling off from her mum and I was like that seems a bit unnecessary why did the mum be like oh Kate don't say that don't be so rude because young ladies are not supposed to be talking about seduction they're basically talking about sex and they're not supposed to be doing that but all she said was he could seduce an ice bag that didn't seem very raunchy to me yeah but seduction means sex doesn't it which you pointed out to me in that episode where I said it was about poetry 
<laughs> and you were like, no, he's talking about sex. Okay, he could probably seduce a nice bag. Okay. And I want to know how much Kate knows about seduction in the first place. I'd love to know. Yeah, I don't think she knows that much because when she says he's had more mistresses than I've had birthdays, her mum interjects and says, well, most men have. And Kate then gets really embarrassed and says, oh, okay, well, then he's had twice as many as as most men or something. So Mm -hmm. it's like she clearly doesn't know. Like she, yeah, she wouldn't know, would she? If she knew what was involved, I wonder if that would make her like legit not want to go out with him. Because if she was as Mm. like completely oblivious as Daphne was then she might not know what it means. Like when imagine like marrying him and then they have sex. And she's like, oh MFG, like if I knew that you've done this to like 300 other women, I would not have married you. That's gross. Good point. Good point. And did you notice that Kate seems to really like Lady Whistledown and she kind of wants to be like best friends with her, which again to me didn't didn't um didn't kind of go with the character we see in the TV show that just doesn't no. seem interested in Lady Whistle. And it's almost like that would be below the Kate in the TV show. Yeah, Kate didn't seem interested in really having any friendship with anyone. She just didn't really... I guess yeah. her and Eloise had that little teapot um, bonding session, didn't they, when they talk about the place of a woman who isn't married. Um, I made a note where you said about how Kate says, I've had he's got he had more mistresses than birthdays. I've put chlamydia alert. Oh, yeah. Surely. Mm. I mean, I don't want to ruin the romantic illusion of everyone that loves Canthony, but I'm telling you now, Mm. it's almost impossible for him to have slept with all those opera singers and actresses. And I'm not sure if he sleeps with prostitutes in the book. It makes it sound more like it was just actresses and stuff. I find it highly unlikely he doesn't have any STDs. Yeah, same. When they didn't have condoms, like proper condoms. Yeah. Something which I didn't notice in the TV series at all, and I don't know if this is another thing that's different, but again, in chapter one, it talks about how Lady Whistledown picks on the Featheringtons a lot. Um, and we yes, hear about the Featheringtons. that was good. So there are two things here. First, I don't know if that's explicit in the TV show, that the Featheringtons are picked on a no. lot. Not, not really. I mean, like... In the opening scene of the first episode, she starts by talking about her, the Featheringtons. Um, but that's the only time I really remember. Oh, and the whole Marina thing, I suppose, was against the Featheringtons. Yeah. We don't, the series doesn't really share the, 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 the little insults, no. I suppose. So it may be that that gets missed. But there was another difference about the Featheringtons compared to the TV show. Do you know what that was? No. So we hear that the Featheringtons dress in tangerine rather than yellow. Hmm. Yeah, in oranges and stuff. And then the mum is like, um, anyone can see that that poor girl, meaning Penelope, needs a blue or mint green. Mm, I wonder I if just, he... You said that you thought she'd suit green because of her red hair. I was thinking like dark moss green, you know, like those dark mm. jewel colours. Maybe a light green would work. I don't know. I think the series should have kept it as orange and tangerine. I think that would have been more clashy than yellow. What do you think? I think they do wear some orange, but I think it's mostly the sisters. Mm. I'm sure Penelope has worn orange in the TV show. Yeah. Um, Then we find out more about Edwina in this chapter. So Edwina's talking about the kind of guy that she would like to marry. And it does kind of connect with the Edwina we see in the TV show. 
the bookish part. Yeah, because when her and Anthony are talking, they are talking about books. And what this chapter highlights is Edwina doesn't like sports. She's not competitive. She's a reader. Mm, she, I suppose so. She likes to read. And then I was like, oh, that makes sense for why they made out that she was so bad at crochet. Cro- yeah, <laughs> croquet. But on the other hand, apart from that one sentence where she says to Anthony, oh, I like reading, what are you reading? You don't see her reading. You don't see her with a book. Um, I wish they'd done that a bit more because I always felt that in terms of Edwina's conversation, it was all very shallow. Like, oh, what pink silk shall I wear, Kate? Please advise me what Lord Bridgerton will. And I was like, I didn't really see that deep scholarly bookish side to her. So I think they should have done that a bit more. But is that because they wanted her to appear superficial and without many opinions? Because Maybe, otherwise yeah. we'd have a character that we'd actually really like, like yeah. that Elizabeth Bennet kind of style, you know, that curious, intelligent, yeah. opinionated. Because for someone that reads a lot of books, she doesn't have many opinions mm, and express right. herself. So maybe, maybe they downplay that. Yeah. Mm. And then the next scene is we see Anthony having a drink with Benedict and Colin at their club and they're all sat around drinking all of a sudden Anthony blurts out I'm thinking of getting married and there's a really funny reaction to that isn't there so Benedict is leaning back on his chair drinking and he actually falls off his hair uh, hair off his hair falls (laughs) falls off his chair because he's so shocked and Colin starts choking on an olive and Anthony has to whack him on the back and Colin throws up this olive and it whizzes past Anthony's ear and I was like that's such a a nicely written scene I don't know if they did that in the tv show can you remember Um, in the tv show are they getting their beards shaved I think you're thinking of the stag do no they're getting their beards shaved and they Mm -hmm. have a hot towel applied oh is that when he tells them I thought so and we'll see if anyone can marry. remember. We'll do it. We'll do a question on our Facebook group and see if anyone can remember how it how they did it in the show. I thought he, to compare. I thought he said that he was going to marry Edwina in that moment. I don't know. But at this I, point, though, he's just saying I've decided to get married. He hasn't picked Edwina yet. Okay, I don't remember when he decides to marry. Oh, hang on! Isn't it when they're in the horse and carriage? And it's he's... just at the sorry. It's just at the end of this conversation. Yeah, I know, but. I'm saying in the season, in the season two, isn't it Anthony says he's going to get married when his little brother and Bridgerton um, are in the carriage with him? He's like, how difficult can it be? Um, The Duke did it. Do you remember? And then it shows us how he's got his little pad of paper with all the names Mm -hmm. of women. So I think that's when he tells them. So it is a bit different. Oh, I get you. Okay. So the way that he tells says he's going to get married, I think that's then. And there's a bit of humour there. But what's already come across is how funny the author is. Yeah. She, and I like that she's injected that in, in these scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, he, he then talks about, um, well, the, I don't know if this is the narrator or him, I guess it's the narrator, but he's never dallied with well-bred women He's because he doesn't want to risk her reputation. He's got sisters. Mm. So, yeah, it's always actresses and and those kind of people and doesn't he, he knows he's a rake yeah but doesn't he see something like he knows he was a rake in his 20s but he's actually slowed down now mm. but he doesn't he doesn't mind so much that the reputation's still there but 
yeah it says that at one point he had he used to have two mistresses at once which I thought was like a little bit naughty I wonder if he means at the same time um and then he does say um yeah he slowed down a bit but that people are scared of him because he's a rake and I was like I don't get that no I don't get that either does he mean intimidated because he seems like such a success for the women maybe maybe yeah other men I felt really bad he talks about this story about how he's met certain women and he he recounts a conversation that he has with a woman and he talks about the weather and he says to this woman and I wrote it down do you know what inclement is inclement yeah uh, I don't know like like changeable yeah, so basically Anthony's reminding us about how he spoke to a woman um, he was interested in and he made a comment about the weather. Says He says something like, what do you think about this inclement we're having or how do you pronounce that? Inclement weather, yeah. And she says, I'm sure I don't know. I've never been to Clement. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's the sort of thing I would have said because I would have, no- I don't know what inclement means. inclement means now. And I had to Google it. So if you had to guess, you said changeable, right? Yeah. It actually means unpleasantly wet or cold. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea. That's our word for the day. That's that's our word. Nice. No, we got to put that into our daily vocabulary. Okay. Well, he talks about the kind of woman he's looking for he's only got three bullet points there number one attractive so he's saying doesn't have to be beautiful although that would be a bonus but attractive enough because at the end of the day he knows he's got to sleep with her yeah number two not stupid so he doesn't say intelligent he just says not stupid number three he says he doesn't want anybody where it's capable for him to fall in love with yeah that was sad that was sad so that's really explicit at the beginning of this book whereas I don't know how explicit it is in series two until quite a lot later mm. is that right um I think it makes it clear like he tries to make it as transactional and logical as possible when he's like trying to figure out who to marry and I think his mum right from the start is really disapproving that he's not interested in love yeah. but you're right it gets more obvious later on doesn't it in the season where they talk about it a lot yeah what do you think about the three things he looks for do you think Kate meets all of those things yeah definitely even though in the book they keep saying that Kate's not attract not not that she's not attractive but they keep comparing her to Edwina and they keep saying Edwina's the pretty one Kate's not pretty they actually do say she's not pretty and she knows it oh whereas in the tv show she obviously really is yeah the thing that is similar is that in episode one, I think Anthony, he's given up trying to find his own pa- his own partner, hasn't he? Because he's gone through the list and it's all just a big mess. And the women that he's met haven't met his criteria. Um, and then he does say, I'm just going to marry whoever like the diamond of the first water is or the diamond of the season. And in the chapter one, it ends with him saying, who's considered the diamond of the season? And then so that's quite simple. I-, I like that they kept that the same. Yeah, and it's Edwina. Even though they don't show us in the book, so in the TV show, we see Edwina being presented to the Queen and we see the Queen choosing her, mm. whereas in the book, they do not mention that at all. It's like, it's true. yeah. It's like it's already happened, doesn't it? Yeah. 
it feels almost faster moving, you know. It feels like the book has started further in than, than the TV show did. A hundred percent. It has a hundred percent started way. It's definitely faster. What's interesting is that, oh no, I wanted to double check something, but it isn't interesting at all. Um, so what do you think of chapter one so far? Yeah, it's it's good. I, I like comparing it to the TV show and trying to figure out why the TV show made the decisions they did. Yeah. And how that affects the story. I think that could be quite interesting going forward. Same. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Excellent. So that is the end of our chapter one review. Ta-da. Bum, bum, bum. Done. And better than last week's uh, attempt. Yeah. At least we were on the same book this time. That's a bonus. I'm actually looking forward to reading chapter two. I don't have a book to read at the moment, so I'm excited. Um, but what would be good is if anyone who has already read chapter one or who is reading it for the first time with us, pop along to Bridgerton Bitches or the Bridgerton Girls podcast page and share your thoughts of us and let us know what you think of chapter one. Yeah, that would be great. And yeah, as, as always, if you are enjoying the podcast, we would really appreciate your support. Um, if you click on the link to Kofi, we've just paid for our new uh, annual fees. So that would be great. Thank you very much. Thank you as well. A big thank you to Christy and Laura, who very kindly donated some money towards that fee. So yay. Woo! Thank you. Awesome. And check out our quiz event on our Facebook page. It'll be on August the 7th. Yes, the day before Chrissy's birthday, and we're going to get all dressed up and get a cup of tea with us. So, yes, we invite you to dress up as well if you wish. Cool. Thanks for listening. Bye.